Hello, I am Joshua P. Warren, and this is Joshua P. Warren Daily. You know, when I was a kid, I was exploring the library, and I found a book on palmistry, how to read palms to tell things about someone's personality and or future. And uh, I became fascinated by it. And I I read the book thoroughly, cover to cover, and then I started pursuing the subject and going out and reading everything I could get my hands on about palmistry. I was immediately uh, intrigued by the fact that it's not just about reading the lines on the hands. It's also about the shape of the hands, like the length of the fingers or how the fingernails look, and even how people use their hands which certainly that's telling in any regard. Even Sherlock Holmes might look at a person's hands and say, well, this is a workman or this is a a doctor or whatever, depending on the wear and tear. So you have that level of reality about the whole thing as well. But when you start learning about how to read palms, the only way you know whether or not this works is to go out and start reading some palms and see what kind of reactions that you get from people. And so uh, I learned pretty early on there that this was actually uh, a way that was pretty suitable for me at that time in my life to, uh, to quickly make friends. Um, it was easy to sit down and bring up the topic of reading someone's palm, and the next thing you know, you're giving their palm a reading. And uh, over and over, I would find that uh, people would say the things I was telling them were incredibly accurate. And now, mind you, when you are um, when you're reading a palm, uh, there are different ways of doing it. I mean, you can just uh, you can just sit down and look at the person's palm, or let's say you're trying to become a bit more intimate with a young lady. Well, you might take her palm into your hand, and uh, and it would work. It would work. You know, it's a, it's a fairly intimate thing to take someone's hand into your own and sit there and more or less, you know, play with it while you're discussing the depths of the soul for 10 minutes or whatever. So there were a lot of uh, a lot of useful ways of doing this. Let me put it this way, it had a lot of different usages. And one of the cool things about palmistry is that uh, you don't have to pretend that you have some special psychic power. It relieves that pressure from you. All you're doing is saying, look, here is the technique that I have learned, and uh, I am here to interpret your palm for you, but you're not professing that you have some sixth sense at play here. Even though anytime interpretation is involved, there is always some skill. So over the years... Um, I, you know, I didn't, I I didn't do it as much, but even to this day, uh, if I meet someone and I'm trying to sort of size the person up, I very, you know, frequently will at some point take a look at the hands, uh, just, just a glance. And I do think that there are, again, tangible things that you can tell from the way the hands are shaped. In fact, uh, I just, not too long ago, you know, occasionally I offer these little kits, special products and things through my website, stuff that I find cool that I assume the people who 
follow my work will also find cool. And one of the things that I offered in this little kit was a little palm, a palmistry palm I have it in my hand right now, made of some kind of resin, really cool. And so, you know, I, I always keep this on my desk. It's a nice paper weight, and it shows you the basic lines and then the different planes of the hand and all that kind of thing. So I'm mindful of it to this day, and yet I always wondered, well, how could this work? How could the lines, how could the forms of your hand um, reflect something about not only you, but even your future? And the more I thought about this over the years, the more I realized that, well, it, reflecting something about you isn't as difficult to to grasp because we know that we all have unique fingerprints and so obviously each one of us is a unique person and if you're a unique person and you have unique fingerprints then one can infer that there may be a connection between who you are and how your fingerprint is going to look and who you are is also going to determine certain decisions you're most likely to make which will result in certain outcomes for your future. So, I mean, you can definitely rationalize it uh, just in terms of thinking about what we now know about DNA and fingerprints and all that, that, you know, everybody's palm is unique, and um, that may be a part of it. But I was thinking even more about this recently because I am still working on my new book. I'm getting close to having it finished but I, I definitely appreciate the extra peace and quiet that I have been afforded recently by my friends and associates as everybody sort of bears with me as I work on this because I, I was hoping to be further along by now than I am. So I'm still I'm running behind here, but uh, I'm almost done. And so in in midst of writing this book, you know, I've been thinking about a lot of different things that people do in order to try to gain some sort of insight and labeling that and breaking it down into categories and exercises and things. And I was thinking about palmistry and I realized, you know, I think that maybe palmistry could almost be considered a subcategory of claromancy. And I bet you've never heard the term claromancy. It's not very frequently used. The claromancy is the big general term applied to interpreting the way that seemingly random objects fall or organize themselves in order to make a decision or interpret something about the future. So you could say that the most basic form of claromancy is just flipping a coin at the beginning of a ball game and saying, okay, well, nobody knows how this is going to end. And so but however it ends is going to make a determination about what is about to happen here in the future, right? So that's that, it kind of borders on that, but it's not quite like that. I think of it more like dropping a feather outside to tell which way the wind is blowing. You know, you might feel the wind, but you might not be exactly certain what direction it's going. So you drop the feather and the feather shows you more specifically. And so all throughout history, people have used this kind of technique that's frequently been called casting of lots, where you might take a selection of pebbles or coins or twigs or whatever, and you just sort of 
toss them down and however they land you consider to be an expression of the universe that whatever all the big factors were at play in the universe at that time have been condensed down into the local factors that have created this arrangement that you now are interpreting people reading tea leaves that was very popular for a long time i even had my tea leaves read on a number of occasions where you'd somebody would give you um a cup of tea and you you drink it and then they would interpret the little uh, bits and pieces at the bottom of the cup um the i ching is uh certainly all about clearomancy which of course is the ancient chinese system a lot of people think of the I Ching as a system based upon tossing down special coins and interpreting them, but uh, in fact, a lot, a lot of times the I Ching was apparently practiced with various uh, size pieces of bamboo. All that matters is that you have a handful of variables. You don't even have to have a handful, but the idea is you have some variables and you toss them down and you believe that in some way the big picture is the same as the little picture and vice versa. And so the the universe is communicating with you, but it doesn't necessarily speak English to you or French or Chinese or whatever your language is. Instead, you have to interpret it based upon the way the objects are assembled, created by the factors of the universe. So that ought to make sense to you. And that is what's called claromancy. And the more I thought of it, I thought, well, you know, it almost seems like that palmistry could be considered a form of claromancy, meaning that every single time you take a handful of coins or stones or seashells and toss them into the air, they ought to come down in a unique pattern. You should never be able to duplicate that twice. Even though you might be able to get it close, it should never be exactly the same. And because that you are formed at a unique you know moment like there's one moment when the conception occurs and that conception happens to occur at a place uh that's unique you know on earth under unique conditions or whatever maybe that creates some kind of a chain reaction that eventually ends up meaning that the the markings that you have on your palm are indeed going to be these very specific markings that tell us something about um, the path that you're on. That whether we believe this is true or not, those who are into palmistry are almost sort of interpreting the lines on the hand the same way that one might interpret the way that random objects have sort of organized themselves. Um, It's a complicated subject in many ways because you start asking yourself questions about like, well, you know, how much of this applies to biology versus throwing inanimate objects around. But then you get to the point like I was talking about so much last year with the OUFOs where you realize, hey, look, Thinking of humans and biological organisms as being so different from everything around us is really uh, a misconception. We're all made of the same stuff. There's only so many elements there. There are only so many elements in the universe that we know of. 
and everything is made by some combination of those elements. You know, that's why you look inside a human body and you see iron and sulfur and magnesium and, you know, tin and all this stuff that you would associate with an inanimate object, but it's inside of you. It's just arranged in a different way. And so, therefore, it's all sort of claromancy, I guess, when you're looking at how something is designed, whether it happens right in front of your eyes, like the roll of the dice, or if it happens over time, such as how a person evolves and changes. And uh, I would say that, to a certain extent, your you know your hands definitely change over time. I mean, even even the way that you wear them and work them. Again, getting back to the Sherlock Holmes sort of outlook, perhaps that you know your hands are going to be a reflection of what you're up to, and what you're up to is probably gonna uh, sort of shall we say uh, create odds for what you're likely to be up to next. So if you're out there digging ditches and enough to tear your hands up, then it's unlikely that you're going to become a doctor someday. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's just unlikely, you know. Uh, So you might be able to say, look, there is a real tangible, practical cause and effect relationship here between the way your hands look And how we can predict the way you're going to behave or what opportunities you're going to have in life and how you're likely to turn out. But the question there goes to really like how how detailed can we get with this and where does it all really begin? So these are questions to ponder. Um, Some of it is that chicken or the egg kind of question, which... We're never really going to be able to answer, I don't think, because um, we always try to think of everything as having a, a beginning and an end, but some things may just not have a beginning and an end. They just are, and they've always been, the alpha and omega. And, and we humans inherently hate that because our brains don't work that way. We each view the beginning, really, as when we started remembering things. And, uh, yeah, it's just like, yeah, I, I, just like you, I've been told about all these things that have happened for thousands of years before I was born. But I don't know anything other than my own experience. Think about your earliest memory. What is your earliest memory? My earliest memory is... Uh, well, for one thing, I, I remember not being able to talk yet, and I've heard that that is not normal, but I do I do have memories of being a baby before I could even talk or walk, and uh, I remember my mom and dad sitting there in front of me, um, especially my mom, saying, a cow goes moo, How, what does a cow do? Cow goes moo, and... Uh, a chicken goes cluck cluck, you know, and like just I have this memory of, of animal sounds being taught animal sounds, and then I have a memory at some point of looking over in I guess what amounts to a crib and seeing 
uh, Cookie Monster sitting there. Um, now, I was not frightened by Cookie Monster. But uh, you, it makes you wonder if you look at how I've turned out, if like the first you know, thing I saw that was a figment of imagination was Cookie Monster, if that if that somehow made an impact on, you know, my view of reality and what was possible. I don't know. But ask yourself, you know, think about your, your first memory. Psychoanalyze it, I guess. And, um, and think about how your life has gone since then. And you'll realize that uh, no matter what you're told about what happened before that time period, there's always a little seed of doubt, isn't there? You just don't know what happened before you were around. Sometimes you don't even know what happened when you were around. But uh, these are the questions that we deal with when we talk about cause and effect and what's natural and what's para-natural. Issues I'm thinking about as I go through this book. And of course, I'm trying to get this book finished quickly because I have a lot of work to do on my big event coming up in Las Vegas in May. And I want you to, to know that just last night, I got an email from a man in California who had already bought a ticket for himself to go to the event. But he said that he was going to come alone, but now his wife has decided to join him which is wonderful news. So he bought a ticket for her as well. And so he said, um, what do I need to do now to update my room reservation? Because the way that works is you buy your ticket for the package from me, and then you get a link to go and make your room reservation. And the good news is, uh, if you buy a ticket for yourself, and then you go and you get a room set up, and then somebody else decides that they want to join the event and they buy a ticket and they can they want to stay in the same room with you it only costs an extra $25 to add another person to your room so that can save you a lot of money and you can add up to th- i think three other people in your room so literally uh you could save many hundreds of dollars if you know somebody else who wants to go, they can more or less stay in your room for 25 bucks. So you should know that if you have any friends or colleagues that are interested in coming to the event, that they can actually come and uh, save money. Or you could work an arrangement out where you just take the overall amount of money and you split it with them. And so that means they're helping you out a little bit and you both will save a little money. But just know that an extra 25 bucks is all it takes to put another person in your room. Now, they still have to buy the pass for the event, which is um, all the information is there at youwillmanifest.com, youwillmanifest.com. There's also a payment plan there where if somebody wants to buy a pass and they just can't afford it, that's fine. You'll see options for that as well. But we're getting down to the wire here pretty close, and um, I don't know how many tickets are left but i will tell you that only 100 people are allowed to do this so youwillmanifest.com has got that information for you 
All right, well, I'm going to get back to work here, and uh, another busy week for me. In fact, Wednesday night, I'm going to be on Beyond Reality Radio with uh, uh, Jason Hawes, and uh, you know you know him from Ghost Hunters, right, Jason, and uh, J.V. Johnson. Uh, it's a great show. And so uh, I'll be doing that, and I have a lot of other things in store that I'll be telling you about as well. This podcast is called Joshua P. Warren Daily. It's always short. It's always free. I try to give you one every day. And if you go to my website, joshuapwarren.com, you'll find all kinds of goodies there. You'll find a curiosity shop. You'll find a section that you can click on called Gallery of the Strange with weird images and video clips. But on the front page, you'll find a little red box there that will take you to this podcast where you can subscribe for free or you can follow me on Twitter at Joshua P. Warren and I will tweet when a new one is posted. So I hope you have had a great weekend, ready to start off a productive week. Thank you for your support. Thank you for listening. Thank you for staying curious. And I will talk to you again soon.